Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Mojiella Wodeal. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post-row hellscape. We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off. M-S-W Media. The election is less than four months away. What can you do to get involved? Let's get on topic. Welcome to On Topic, a weekly in-depth look at a topic that helps us understand the week's news. My name's Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And I'm joined by my friend Patty Vasquez, the host of the Patty Vasquez Show, who joins us regularly on this podcast. But before I join Patty, I want to thank our patrons who brought us this episode, with special thanks to Michelle Dew, Andrew Donnelly, James Frohmeyer, Jay Gelhausen, Jamie Gordon, Patrick, Steve Hungsberg, Shana Wachinski, and an anonymous patron. You too can become a patron on our website, ontopicpodcast.com. Just click the support link at the top of the page. So, Patty, I have to say this this is a kind of a special episode for us. It's not our typical episode where we are reacting to news of the week, but it really is inspired by a question from one of our patrons in our Facebook group who was asking how he could get involved um, this election season. And I think all of us have been struggling to be our best selves in terms of getting involved this election season. I know for myself— I had planned to do all these things that now are on hold in, in large part because of the uh, the pandemic. And I don't think you're alone, uh, not just for getting voters out, but I've talked to a few committeemen in the Chicagoland area. And, you know, because I was running a campaign until March 17th, hard and heavy, you know, and I don't even think we knew if we had won what our plans were going to be. But I, I get the sense that even down the ballot can- candidates are not necessarily – gearing up in the way I, I would like them to because, uh, you know, whether or not it's a Democrat living in a blue area where they're assuming that they're going to get all the votes, there should be a lot of groundwork being done now, engaging people, getting – especially with what's going on. Uh, obviously in Chicago, there are a lot of issues that people are paying attention to, and if they want those, address, those issues addressed, they've got to make sure that the legislators they want in Springfield are in place, and obviously nationally we've got a lot going on. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, a lot of people aren't, I, I, including myself, are not doing what I think we would have been doing had it not been for the pandemic. Yeah, I had all sorts of big plans uh, this cycle. And I will say I have been do, doing what I can and I've been stepping it up, particularly this last uh, you know, three or four weeks. But it's been interesting. I've talked to a lot of local candidates who I've uh, been supporting and you know, asking them what they're doing, and it's it's it is a challenge. I think everybody has to adapt. I know, for example, uh, the candidates I talked to have found door knocking to be difficult. They've essentially just leave the literature outside and wave, which is not at all the same as actually meeting vote. You know, the voters meeting the candidates, um, and and really door knocking efforts and a lot of that sort of stuff is is on hold. People are doing different things, whether it's postcards. Uh, I've uh, seen that people are doing uh, Zoom meetings where they, everyone is phone banking on mute, you know, that sort of thing. Which is exactly what, you know, needs to be done. Uh, you know, it's a shame that one of the biggest, you know, for, uh, you know, a lot of races, the door knocking, the, you know, gatherings, uh, you know, launching the uh, fall part of a party, right? Yeah, any of those kickoffs. That's really how you uh, you count on getting people engaged. But uh, I, I'm a little bit. The other thing is that not a lot of candidates are necessarily very savvy when it comes to digital engagement. You know, when it comes to those Zoom meetings, even, I, I so want to get out there 
and coach them, give them some consulting about like even just the position of their computer so that we're not looking right up their nose, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or even their background. I will say, you know, separate and apart from that, I think, you know, another struggle is that for, for most of us, the most efficient way that you can help a candidate is usually by donating or raising yep. money for a candidate right. because then that money can be directly spent on whatever, on uh, people who are walking or uh, on um, digital ads or TV ads or whatever it may be on for our staff salaries. But unfortunately, um, you know, I think right now a lot of people are struggling financially and it's been a very difficult economic time. For most of us, myself, I mean, I think everybody has had some challenges, and um, I think that is is complicating efforts as well. Oh, no doubt about it. You're, you know, both of us, you having also run for office, that uh, that call time when you're, you know, trying to raise money uh, is has got to just be so incredibly complicated right now. You know, especially because you tend to turn to your friends. And if you know that your friends are struggling or haven't been able to go to work, you know, and also the uncertainty of the future, uh, it's hard to ask them to, to uh, you know, kick in some money to the campaign. So that's got to be taking a hit for folks all over the country. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think another issue, of course, another challenge is that there have been a lot of uh, crises, a lot of tragedies. People are concerned, uh, for example, about right. what has happened in Portland. I know people in my own city, our our own city of Chicago, very concerned about what may happen here. And, uh, you know, because of that, it's easy to get distracted. But, you know, I think this election is so incredibly important. I mean, you know, we've talked so much about potential abuses and, and problems with the Trump administration. We've been talking about these for years Really, I think it's it's patently clear to everyone at this point that that's not going to change without an election. And there are so many uh, down ballot elections, and as well, this is going to be Patty. This is going to be the election that's going to determine who's going to draw the maps uh, for the next ten years. Right, right. And in Illinois, we're voting. Uh, you know, we have a referendum. We'll, we're voting on the fair tax, which will change the way. Uh, you know, the entire system of taxation in the state of Illinois, we've always had a flat tax and this would change it to a, a graduated tax, which I think is really important going forward as well. That's going to have lasting effects for decades. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely an important election. Yeah. I, and the mail in ballot, I just got my uh, massive uh, like eight by 10 postcard yesterday reminding me to uh, apply for my mail in ballot. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean that everyone right right now, what everyone can do as they're listening is find out how they get their mail in ballot to get apply for it and make sure you have that locked down. Yeah, I think that the first thing that everyone can and should be doing is everyone needs to make sure that they themselves are going to vote. And it, it's going to vary state by state. Our elections are run in a state and local manner. Not they're not administered uh, federally nationwide. So part of it is going to be figuring out how you can vote. Another part of it is, I think, figuring out who is running in your local races in, in you know, the, your district, your state, and so on. Even if you're in a blue state, for example, it's still important to be informed about who's running and to make sure that you are electing people who are going to be serving uh, your interests in your community. And then beyond that, it's going to be figuring out where you can make the most impact. And we have some great guests that are going to help us do that this week. That's great. Yay. So now let's bring in our first guest, Tori Taylor. Tori Taylor is the co-executive director of Swing Left, a national grassroots organization that helped take back the House in 2018 and is working across the country in state, local, and federal elections to try to get people like us involved. Uh, And she is an organizer with over a decade of experience working for progressive organizations and leaders in over 20 states. She uh, previously was a senior political advisor for the Democratic National Committee under the leadership of Chairman Tom Perez. She managed a red-to-blue congressional race. She also served as National Deputy Women's Vote Director in Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. So now let's bring in Tori Taylor. Welcome to the podcast, Tori. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, Tori, uh, you know, Patty and I were just talking about how it's been hard for us this election season 
to do everything we were planning to do to get involved and to try to make a difference this year. I think we're not alone. A lot of our listeners have been asking us the same thing. They're the ones who gave us the inspiration for this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think that a lot of us are <laughs> having trouble doing a lot of the plans that we had made in the year 2020. Uh, unfortunately, both in the election and in our in our regular lives. Um, yeah, well, you know, Swing Left uh, has been an organization that's, that's been around for for a number of years now, and we have um, developed an organizational model to give folks, the most high impact actions in the elections that matter most. And, um, you know, this year we're obviously operating in very different circumstances with the pandemic. Um, but, uh, the election is quickly approaching, uh, absentee voting and early voting is going to start in a number of States, uh, very soon. Um, and swing left has, um, really built out a a great mechanism for uh, folks who want to get involved in the election in November to really have a one-stop shop for anyone who wants to make that difference, even from their own home. And so if you go to our website, there are a number of tools there from outlining uh, key states, which we call the super states, which are 12 states um, that we have targeted um, that have very important elections, either at the presidential level, at the Senate level, or at the state legislative level, um, that folks can get involved in. And we we give folks some some background about those races and some of the candidates that are running there. Uh, and then we've also outlined a number of really important actions, from um, hosting a virtual grassroots fundraiser to um, making phone calls to voters in these states to writing letters to voters in these states, encouraging them to get out to vote in November. And so, um, you know, there's really a whole host of actions that you can take from the comfort and safety of your own home. Um, And also, you know, I think the interesting thing about the time that we're operating in right now with the elections and social distancing, um, you know, folks who live in California or New York or, um, you know, live somewhere uh, anywhere in the country, but want to take action in an election that matters um, in a state like North Carolina or Arizona, um, they have the ability to do that from the comfort of their own home, from making phone calls to voters, giving them key information about the election, or writing letters, encouraging them to get out to vote. Um, so, you know, it's it's really made some of these actions somewhat accessible um, to folks, even if you may not be living in that district or in that particular state. So, you know, you mentioned to us, uh, you know, for example, virtual fundraisers. I think one thing Patty and I were saying, I think from our experience, uh, both of us that we even run for office in the past, that that donating to campaigns is one of the the best ways to get involved. You know, I think a lot of people are unfamiliar how a virtual fundraiser would work. Can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, how you would participate in one and then how you would host one? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, as you as you know from being a candidate on the ballot yourself, but also you know for listeners who who may not know, um, fundraising is is such an important part of running for office, and um, raising money early is so important for candidates so they can plan their resources strategically, um, really make key investments early in the campaign, and build a strong foundation um, for the final month of the election when the most voters are paying attention. And this fundraising really gives them the resources to communicate to those voters and get their message out. And so um, Swing Left has a a number of tools uh, for fundraising, including, you know, setting up a grassroots fundraising page, which is a tool that we have where um, someone can come to our website, they can identify the race or the candidate they want to raise money for, and we actually give them the tool to build out a list, send around a link to their friends, um, and give them some um, some training in terms of how to actually host that fundraiser. So, um, you know, whether it's sending that that link around to 20 of your Facebook friends or organizing a few dozen of your friends to join a Google Hangout or a Zoom call um, where you talk about the candidate or that campaign, um, a lot of these fundraisers can also invite someone from that campaign onto the call to, to give them a little bit of a campaign briefing in terms of what's going on in that race and give, um, you know, the folks who are participating in the fundraiser uh, kind of a peek behind the curtain in terms of what's happening. 
We also have um, an, a great uh, tool called Blueprint, which is a platform that we really developed um, for folks who were interested in being donors this cycle, um, but may not have the time to do all the research into every single race of the ballot and really want um, someone to do some of that work for them and make some key recommendations on where is the most strategic place that they can invest their, their time and their money. And so our tool blueprint really provides some customized portfolios um, for donors who may be interested in taking back the Senate or interested in the most important state legislative races uh, in the country, um, or they might be interested in things like voter registration and supporting local community-based groups who are, are doing really important power-building work for our democracy on the ground. And so, uh, those are two of the you know really interesting, cool tools that Swing Left offers from. Um, pulling together a grassroots fundraiser with, with you and some of your friends to actually providing some customized portfolios of um, places where you can invest your, your resources this cycle. Um, and then to, to your second question in terms of you know getting folks excited about these races, um, you know, we have had a lot of success with um, especially in the virtual area or virtual um, area of you know, having folks who are interested in some of these races, pulling together, you know, the logistics behind putting together a virtual fundraiser um, and really pulling to get folks together over video calls and, um, you know, conference calls and Facebook groups. And I think that, you know, the one thing that campaigning during a pandemic has shown us is the creative ways that people will get in touch with each other. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, in a time where folks are really looking for ways to get involved and um, ways to continue building community and, and building um, connections, especially on such important topics like this, I think grassroots fundraising is, is a great way to do that. Absolutely. I think that for all of us are looking for connection at this point to reconnect with our friends and so forth. And this is a great way for you to potentially reach out to people you know and let them know about candidates you support. And that can often be the best way to fundraise, even if it's small amounts. You know, if people are not uh, able to uh, donate a large amount, you know, you'd be surprised at how much these small donations can add up and they could help a campaign, particularly if you're the one doing the work to get those donations, the campaign isn't putting in all the legwork to do them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It takes a village. And, um, you know, I think these campaigns uh, are fighting really tough fights. You know, we're fighting a, um, opponents typically on the other side that have unlimited uh, access to resources. And but we we have a strategic advantage in the people um, and building that community and building that grassroots momentum. And it really takes uh, folks like a number of people that are, are listening on this call um, and, you know, across the country to really pitch in in whatever way they can, whether it's volunteer time, their their own money and resources um, or other ways that they can contribute. Well, you know, I'd gone to your website and I'd seen opportunities for virtual phone banking, uh, uh, things like that. I know some of the local candidates I've talked to have also uh, been setting up virtual phone banking. Can you give our listeners a sense of how that works? Yeah, absolutely. Um, every campaign is, is a little bit different, but, uh, you know, the basic the basic route is typically, you know, you'll be connected with a campaign or a candidate that you're interested in, um, and you can do that phone banking from your computer. So typically there will be a virtual phone bank link where um, the, the campaign will send that to you. You'll click on it. You'll fill out some information. The campaign will provide you a script um, with some basic information about the candidate, um, you know, information that's important to the voter in terms of getting out to vote, maybe where their polling place is, or especially in this time, you know, details about absentee voting and vote by mail. Um, and then the campaign will give you that list of voters to call. And so you can do it all from the the comfort of your computer and it's a really intuitive platform um, that you can just very simply click through, get a name of a voter, um, you have your script in front of you, um, and typically the campaign will provide you know, a staff member or another volunteer that you can connect with if any questions come up. And so it's a really easy, fun experience. And you know, one thing that we've been doing at Swing Left, um, in previous elections, we would actually organize 
in-person phone banks, as you know. You know, a lot of uh, politicking is typically done through face-to-face -face voter communication. Um, but in a time of social distance, we've actually been organizing things like virtual house parties where, um, you know, we'll pull a bunch of folks together on Zoom to all write letters <laughs> to voters together um, or to, like, host a, a virtual uh, phone bank, um, but with, you know, a bunch of people on Zoom and everybody is muted while they're making their calls. So um, we're finding a lot of creative ways to, to continue building that community and a lot of these campaigns are as well. But, um, you know, the most effective way to persuade a voter to support a candidate or to mobilize a voter to actually turn out is that one-to-one -one direct communication. So phone banking is really important, especially in an age where we unfortunately can't have a lot of those, those conversations um, in person. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think one thing that everyone should keep in mind is the importance of having a social element to getting involved. I think it, it makes it easier when you're phone banking or uh, in the in the normal election season when you're walking from door to door when you have other people involved in a bit of a support network. And so that can be a really nice way, even like you said, if everyone's on mute, the fact that everyone's together and you're getting some instruction and you're in it together – or if you're wrote, writing letters, we talk, as you talked about, if you're doing that kind of all together, it can be it can be it can be uh, a different experience than doing it on your own. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we're all in this work because of how important it is, and you know, we are all very committed to taking back the country. But to your point, you know, this is a time where um, community is more important than ever, and having those connections and kind of that social element um, really enhances the experience, and you know, also can help hold you accountable. You know, if you all agree that you're going to all make 50 calls, you know, having someone someone there beside you, if not virtually beside you on Zoom or Google Hangout or Skype, um, you know, can also help, you know, make sure that you're putting in all the effort that you wanted to contribute. Um, uh, I think that it's just a it's a really important time to to consider that as we're all all in this work together. You know, it's something that I talk about a lot is, you know, we can't sustain the movement and the things that we need to do electorally if we don't sustain ourselves. And um, I think having those human connections and building community around um, this work is more important than ever. You know, one thing that we've done at Swing Left um, and that has been part of our work for a number of years is we organize swing left groups. So we have hundreds of swing left groups across the country. And on our website, there's actually a way for folks to identify a group that's close to them. And so if folks, you know, want to join an existing group, um, uh, you know, that mechanism is available to them. But also, you know, creating a group yourself is just as simple as, you know, finding three or four friends that uh, this is important to as well. And sending them all a Google Hangout or a Skype link and talking about how you're going to make a difference in this election together. So, you know, one point that you had made uh, earlier is you talked about writing letters uh, to voters. Can you explain to us why that's effective and, and what that would entail? Yeah, absolutely. So Swing Left has an affiliate partner um, called Vote Forward, and it's a really great organization that has built a platform um, to connect volunteers from across the country with a letter writing platform where, you know, we provide voters or we provide volunteers with the names and the information of, you know, voters in key, in key states and provide a platform for them to actually print out letters and write a handwritten note to those letters. And then they mail them to those letters in those important states. And, you know, the voters that, you know, we're we're targeting with these letters are, you know, voters who may not vote in every single election. They may be sporadic and may just need an, an extra nudge um, to get out to the polls or to request their absentee ballot um, for this election. And, you know, we find the data has really shown that, um, one, this technique of, of letter writing and sending this type of communication to sporadic voters can be very effective in that extra nudge. And we've also found that the handwritten element is actually very effective. You know, having a personal note from somebody um, is a really is a really important data driven way to um, help mobilize someone to vote in, in, in November. So, Patty, I think we have some questions from our listeners. Uh, can uh, Do you have any of those? Oh, you know, people really want to get involved and they have a lot of thoughts. So one of the question is, you know, what right now, some issues is, is uh, the difficulty of getting those who are too young to vote involved. Uh, what ways are there that you see for them to participate? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I I think that young people are so important to the democratic process and, you know, supporting programs that, you know, provide pathways for young people to get involved um, in the elections, both from an organizing standpoint and getting them uh, to volunteer, but also, you know, in, engaging them to vote. And there are a number of organizations. Um, Next Gen America is a really incredible um, youth-led organization that has been doing a lot of good work mobilizing students and young people to vote across the country. Swing Left has a college program. Um, we have a college fellowship and also a college network where we really provide pathways for young people to volunteer and take leadership roles um, in organizing folks on their campus uh, around these elections. Um, and so I would really encourage folks to one, talk to the young people in your life. <laughs> um, that's the most that's the first and most important thing is making sure that the young folks in your life, you know, have what they need, have the information that you're really encouraging them to, to take um, to take the reins of their electoral activism and the civic engagement behind voting. And then, too, I would also encourage folks, you know, to support organizations that are doing really important work on the ground to mobilize young voters, whether it's uh, a national organization like Next Gen America, whether it's, you know, an organization like Swing Left's college program. There are also so many organizations on the ground in a lot of these states that are doing really important voter registration work and mobilization work on the ground. You know, I think about um, a state like Wisconsin, there's an organization in Milwaukee called Leaders Igniting um, Transformational Change. It, it's called Lit Milwaukee. And, you know, they they are doing a lot of really important work um, registering voters, um, especially young voters of color in that area. There are organizations like Blueprint North Carolina, um, New Georgia Project, um, you know, Swing Left has a lot of uh, great recommendations for some of those groups on the ground that are doing a lot of the hard work of registering voters and also turning them out in some of these local areas. And so I would really encourage folks to support organizations like that um, and to, again, talk to the young people in your life and make sure they have what they need to kind of start their, their civic engagement journey, which starts with voting. So one thing uh, that we had talked about a little earlier is that this this election season is particularly important at a state level because the maps are going to be redrawn based on, you know, and they're going to be drawn by people who are being elected this time around. Can you explain to our listeners how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is a big this is a big part of why Swing Left decided to focus on state legislative races this cycle. Um, you know, we've outlined a number of states where um, taking back uh, democratic power in the state legislative chambers is really going to be important to roll back Republican gerrymandering in the next round of redistricting, ensuring that we have um, fair and equal maps uh, in, in these states. And so um, the next round, uh, the, as folks know, the census is currently happening. And um, after this election cycle, um, you know, these state legislative bodies will be redrawing state legislative and congressional maps. Um, and that is so important in terms of, you know, making sure that every person in this country has a fair and equal voice in our democracy. Um, and for those who have been following um, gerrymandering and some of these issues over the last 10 years, folks know that after the last round of redistricting in 2010, we were just hit with horrible, horrible gerrymandering in so many of these states that, um, you know, really had an imbalance of who was provided power in this country um, at the state legislative level and at the congressional level. Um, you know, these maps were drawn with partisan or racial um, surgical pre precision to dilute Democratic voters, to dilute um, voters of color, and really pack um, these congressional and state legislative lines um, in a way that really favored Republicans um, in some of these key states. You know, um, in a state like North Carolina, um, there were a number of court battles. And so some of this has been addressed in the past year or so. Um, but, you know, they were operating with uh, it's a it's a state that typically votes about 50, 50, 50, 50 Republican Democrat. But we were operating with congressional maps that favored Republicans. Uh, 
with 10 of the seats, 10 of the 13 seats, and Democrats with three of those seats. Um, and when you're looking at congressional representation and state legislative representation, that is that um, imbalanced with how the overall population of the state is voting, you have a really significant problem in um, you know, ensuring that the leaders in that state who are elected at the state legislative and congressional level are really operating with the will of the will of the people, um, and making sure that you know the people in that in that state have the most reflective representation based on their community. And so, when we look at when we look past 2020, having um, you know taking back power in some of these state legislative chambers is really going to be so important to determining the next 10 years of what our congressional and our state legislative lines look like and you know as you all know that impacts so much uh it impacts uh education funding it impacts the type of policies um that are going to get talked about at the federal level it impacts um, just a number of issues, both at the state legislative level and at the federal level, and at the most basic level, you know, it, we have to make sure that every person in this country has a fair and equal voice in our democracy. And gerrymandering is, you know, one of the um, one of the ways that we've really seen a lot of that voice and that representation get taken away, um, in, especially in the last ten years. I have to say, I'm on your website right now, and you guys are doing a great job. And, and you know, I live in a blue state. I know a lot of our listeners probably live in an area where they, they think, well, look, our our candidates are going to win. We're, you know, my, my district is blue. And I, I'm already looking at, uh, at volunteering to do a phone bank on Monday for <laughs> Michigan. So this is great. Right. We want to we want to flip the Senate, too. So what are you finding to be the best way to recruit new volunteers? Because that's going to be a real struggle right now with everything going on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's so much going on. There's so, um, you know, this pandemic is still raging. Um, you know, the economic impacts, uh, folks with children who are who are figuring out what they're going to do in terms of school. Um, there's just a national anxiety that has really blanketed the country. And so, you know, I'd really encourage folks to first, you know, really have that top of mind, uh, you know, when you're starting to recruit volunteers and talk to folks within your network, um, meeting people where they are is, is kind of one of the first steps of organizing. Um, but too, you know, I think that what we're seeing is, you know, the devastating impact of a president who was not ready to lead on day one and has had a, an abysmal failure, um, in terms of the response to this pandemic, which has cost this country, thousands of lives. And so, um, you know, a lot of the folks that I talk to and, you know, a lot of the engagement that we see from Swing Left Volunteers is, you know, this is one of the most energizing moments um, right now because there are, there's so much anger about the this administration's response. And there's such a desire to have new leadership in this country that, you know, is really going to help us build back, help us recover from this pandemic, help us get through this pandemic um, and build back this country, you know, even better than they found it. And so, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of folks who are very, they're very motivated right now to take action around these elections and make sure that we have the type of leadership that this country deserves um, after November. Well, Tori, thank you for joining us. I want to, um, I want to make sure that our listeners know what, what can they, what, can you tell us just a little bit about what they can do if they want to, if they want to find out more about Swing Left, if they want to use these tools that you've talked to us about, where do they go and what do they do? Yeah, it's super simple. Uh, they just should go to www.swingleft.org. Um, sign up on our website to get regular updates. Um, if you sign up for our email list, we will share pretty regular updates around best um, actions and you know ways to fundraise and donate and get involved. And then you know while they're on our website, there are a number of different tools there from our take action tool where they can find um, existing organizing opportunities and volunteer opportunities near them. There's a number of educational resources in terms of really talking about these key states and the races that matter the most in those states. Um, and then there are a number of other resources there too, from information about our college program, information about Blueprint, the grassroots fundraising pages, you know, all of the things that we've talked about today in our conversation um, are available on that website. And so I would really encourage folks to check it out, sign up, stay in touch, and um, yeah, just uh, uh, 
I think volunteering is one of the most important things that that folks can do this year to make a difference on this election. And so um, would really just encourage them to block off a couple hours every week to, to make some phone calls or write letters to voters and, you know, help us um, help us win in November. Thank you so much, Victoria. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you all so much for having me. All right. So now we have another special guest a guest that many of you uh, mentioned to me when I asked for suggestions for this episode, and that's Tony the Democrat. Uh, He founded the Postcards to Voters Project, which if you want to find out more information about it, if you search on Twitter uh, for hashtag Postcards to Voters, you're going to find out a lot more about it. Uh, But, you know, Tony's going to be here to tell us about the work they're doing, what that uh, what that involves and, uh, you know, exactly how you can be a part of that project. Tony, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So I, I will say I've heard of other postcard projects. I've been I had been working and I still have been working with a group from Indivisible Chicago that's doing one. What inspired you to make this a focus of your efforts this election season? Well, Postcards to Voters actually started back in 2017. I live in the district where John Ossoff ran for Congress in that special election. And one thing led to another, which basically ended up with me having a list of voters that needed to be called, Democrats, to be reminded about the special election, which is unusual in in the middle of April. But I couldn't get very many of my friends excited about doing phone banking. And I just happened to stumble upon a group on Facebook that was writing postcards to elected officials to lobby them on certain progressive policy issues. And I just decided, you know, a little light bulb went off and I thought, these progressive activists are already writing postcards daily to elected officials. I wonder if they would be interested in writing postcards to boost turnout for this special election, the whole country was talking about at the time, you know, John Ossoff was was really getting a lot of traction. And so I, I took a chance, posted a, you know my offer of five addresses per person, and the talking points of, were basically my phone script, but shortened down for a postcard. And the first day I had five people, complete strangers, uh, reach out and say yes. I asked them to send me a photo of their completed cards just so that I knew that they did something with it. And uh, by the end of four weeks, we had over 1,200 volunteers and writing with us. Over 51,000 postcards had been sent, and we've been doing it ever since without fail. There's always an election somewhere in the country, a special election, a municipal election, a runoff. Uh, We've been writing daily uh, since then, over 9 million postcards. That's great. You know, one of our listeners wanted to know, will you guys be writing this cycle to help flip the Senate and to help retain the House of Representatives? And if so, what races are you going to be focusing on? So we definitely will have some candidates uh, and campaigns in those uh, buckets or those categories. Postcards to Voters does not uh, announce future campaigns in advance. We want to give our supported candidates the competitive advantage for as long as possible before the opposition is is informed or finds out that these grassroots postcards are going to start blanketing the district. So we wait until we launch. Um, and I, I know that's not always very satisfying for people, but uh, we want to make sure that the, uh, the other side doesn't have extra time to plan countermeasures. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, if 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 uh, any of our listeners have particular um, the campaigns that they'd like to bring to your attention, is is now a time that they could do that, or is it? Have you already decided in your campaigns for this cycle? This is a, always a fluid time for us because we every November we have doubled in size and, and the number of volunteers that enroll. So the the target or the the writing capacity that we will ultimately have is growing every day. So absolutely, if somebody has a candidate or campaign that they know about uh, that they'd like to see us write for, we have a link on our website, postcardstovoters.org, that's simply campaigns. 
the campaign can fill out a short interest form to let us know that they'd like our volunteer help. And there's no charge to the campaigns for this. Do, can, you, can you tell us how many volunteers you have this cycle? One of our listeners wanted to know that. From inception to date, we have enrolled over 76,000 volunteers. But as you can imagine, volunteers you know, come and go. They, they get interested for a while, and then they, they find something else. In a given month, we see uh, around 9,000 unique volunteers uh, interacting with us to get addresses. It, it, it may not seem like a lot, you know, when I, when I say, well, we've enrolled 76,000, but around 9,000 interact every month. I think that number will, will climb quite a bit in the next month as we get closer to November and start writing for those fall elections. But uh, another metric to keep in mind is that on, on a daily average, we're assigning around 15,000 addresses. And that's now in June and July, where there's where we're still not yet writing for uh, November elections. So how do you guys decide which elections to take on? It nearly always starts with a candidate or campaign asking us for help. Obviously, at the beginning of our effort, people didn't know who we were, so I found myself chasing a lot of campaigns and convincing them that this offer, which sounded almost too good to be true, was in fact you know, legitimate. Uh, but nowadays, uh, when candidates reach out, if it's during the, the rest of the year, we have a pretty light calendar, and I just conduct a, an interview depending on the size of the office and the, the campaign, I, I might know something about them already because it's, uh, you know, in the news. Or I might have to reach out to local Democrats, maybe the county party or people I know or volunteers that live there to give me their assessment. Obviously, we only want to write for serious candidates, uh, Democrats who are running against non-Democrats. And uh, we want to make sure that the campaign is, is mounting a regular effort to uh, seriously run and not just be relying on, on postcards to be their GOTV plan. So do you guys focus a lot on purple districts and purple states, or are you also writing in more conservative areas? We've done everything. <laughs> Again, it, it's, it mostly starts nowadays with, with campaigns asking us for help. If our calendar is open, uh, I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, we wrote for Cecil Webster in a special election in Texas, um, and this was for state uh, representative. I can't remember for sure. I remember. I know I told everybody that this was a ruby red district, and that's the, that's the term I used. He he might have been in an 85, uh, you know, RPI district. Uh, where you know, the Trump won by 80, you know, with 85 percent or something like that, but he was a quality candidate, and everybody that I checked with in Texas and the Democratic Party all had glowing things to say about Cecil, except that he lived in the wrong place to run for the legislature. So it was a May election, I think, or a June election. So it was in the middle of summer. We weren't doing anything else. I put it out there in front of the volunteers. And I told them what the odds were. I said, this is a very, very red district, but look at this guy. And I you know, gave, him, gave them his bio. We ended up finishing his list a full round, and then we wrote another 25% of the list a second time because we still had time before the election. He didn't win, but about a month later, I received an email from somebody who identified herself as a Democrat in the district. She said that she is a member of a secret Democratic women's club where they would not even tell me the name of the club out of fear that somehow it would get out and they or their spouses could face retribution in the community. They were all so touched to receive postcards from around the country reminding them to vote for Cecil, even though they knew that we had to have known what a difficult spot that was for him to win. They decided at a, at a meeting 
that they were going to write a thousand postcards every month for whichever candidate we were writing for. It meant that much to them that we were, you know, engaged in the GOTV, GOTV effort in their red district. So, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting is a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners are showing sharing photos of their postcards, and some of them look like they're drawn by kids. Uh, you know, are there people using glitter and stickers and things like that on their uh, postcards? They are. Some of them are doing calligraphy. I've seen, I have seen postcards that were done with watercolor. Uh, things that if I had received one, I might be tempted to frame it. Some of these cards look so amazing, but even the ones done by children are still quaint and cute. Uh, whatever inspires a volunteer that gets them satisfaction out of their participation, as long as they stick to the required and approved message items, we're happy for them to participate at whatever level of artistic expression that they want. And what is that approved message, just to be clear? So there are three required messages. Usually it's something like Democrat uh, Pat Smith is running for state legislature. The election date is on Tuesday, you know, whatever it is. And then the third message is something a tagline that maybe the campaign has used on their website or their yard signs or something, something that connects to their local messaging. Um, and then we have a lot of optional talking points that you can pick from if you want, or you can just stick with the three required ones. Um, the optional talking points are interesting, though, because that's what helps make all of the cards unique. Some volunteers are going to be writing just the required minimum, but others might be interested in the policy platform of, uh, of their uh, environmental position or the fact that they were a teacher, uh, you know, the candidate. And so what happens is every card that arrives is a little bit different. And if you have a friend in the district and you receive the card and you compare cards with your friends, you're going to see that they're all different. I think that really emphasizes the grassroots authenticity of the program and distinguishes it from something where every single postcard reads exactly the same way, even though they might be handwritten. That's like a telltale sign of some kind of a large organized effort that really doesn't have uh, a heart behind it. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I think, you know, one of our, uh, Tony, one of our listeners, Julie, you know, asked, you know, asked about something that I think is important. You know, she said that a, there's a lot of people that feel overwhelmed by politics. How, how can they have an opportunity to volunteer in a way that meets their needs, their schedule, their funds, et cetera? And, you know, how easy is it? And what, what is the low, kind of the low hurdle for the postcard project? So if you're, if you're, brand new to this, and maybe you've, you've heard about it and you've, you've kind of tinkered, you're maybe curious about it, the low hurdle is um, either email us or text us to get the instructions. You can text the word JOIN to phone number 484-275-2229, or you can email us at join at TonyTheDemocrat.org. We'll send you instructions with three required sentences for you to write one sample postcard, take the picture of it, send it back to us so that we can see if your handwriting is legible, right? Uh, and also to assess how well you understood and followed the instructions for those talking points. Once you're approved, then you can either text us again for more addresses. We have a, an interactive texting robot I joke with people that Abby the address bot is a distant cousin to resist bot. I just haven't performed the DNA test yet. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's that it, that robot is the way that we're able to scale uh, because it's an it's a self service mechanism for approved volunteers to get as many or as few addresses as they have time and postage to write in a three day period. Yeah. That's great. And I will just say myself that no matter what 
your time commitment, no matter what your the funds you have, there's a way to get involved. I mean, Tony mentioned, obviously, Postcards for Voters. If you have the time to do it, that's great. If you don't have time, even sparing $20 or $50 to a candidate that you believe in, that you care about, that you think will make a difference, that can really also uh, have an impact, even if it's a small amount, uh, even uh, you know if it's a one-time thing, that can make a difference. And I think what we're all talking about on the, on the uh, podcast today is just about doing what you can, because look, we, we've all had times, I'll say as somebody who lived through the election of the 2000 election, where the election was decided by uh, several hundred votes in Florida, you know, I remember feeling, kicking myself after that election, thinking, man, I could have gone down to Florida uh, myself and convinced that many people to change their minds. I, I think that um, all none of us want to wake up with regret uh, thinking that we didn't do enough this cycle. So that really, I think the message here is for everyone to do what they can. Um, and, and, and it adds up. The, the, the average number of postcards written per volunteer on any campaign is around 12 to 13. 12 to 13 cards is not a lot of a burden, you know, on any one particular person. The postage is 35 cents each, but you know, maybe the cards might be 15 or 20 cents, or cheaper if you print your own. Um, so it, it is a low threshold uh, activism opportunity. Um, and you can do it at midnight. You can do it in between watching Rachel Maddow. You can do it and stop in the middle when you take care of your pet or your kids or whatever, and then come back to it and finish it later. You can't really stop a phone conversation if you're phone banking and just ask the voter to, to let you know to let you call them back later. Um, so postcarding really is the ultimate and convenient activism. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Tony. I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, uh, I think you've already told everyone how to get involved. And I, I thank you for <laughs> yeah. all the work you've done this cycle. Well, I appreciate it. Any opportunity I have to brag on our amazing volunteers, I, I always enjoy it. So thanks for your questions. Thank you for joining us for this episode of On Topic. Please subscribe to this podcast. Go to your app and review the podcast and join us for our next episode. I'm Renato Mariotti. Until next time, let's stay on topic. I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Give.